I had this voice say to me, everything's going to be okay. And she said, when was that? I said, just now. She goes, I was washing my hands and looking in the mirror. And and I heard the same exact thing. Everything I heard the exact same thing. Everything's going to be okay. Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences with working with thousands of couples for over 15 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. And so we've created not only an avenue where you can hear people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Jim and Jan, JJ, how are you guys doing? Hi guys. Good. We're great. I'm doing good. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah. It's interesting. Why don't we start with you guys telling us a little bit about yourselves, how long you've been together and what do you guys do for a living? And how old are you? I'm 60. 63. Whoa. And um, we've been married for 40 years and we've been together since I was 15. So I was 17. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, we met in high school. High school sweethearts. Actually, we met right as I was walking out the door. Last time. Yeah, yeah, it was was the last month of senior year. (laughs) Wow. And I was finishing my freshman year. So So how did that happen? How did you guys meet? I, I saw her in the in the hallway and was a, attracted to her and she was uh best friends with my best friend's girlfriend so i yeah. made my way over there and got to talk to her and then got her phone number and called her got her to go on a date yeah where you guys go on your first date uh, really one of my first dates ever so. yeah because she was a kid. Um, actually, it, it was interesting. Our first date was at the drive-in. Her friends said, don't go out with him. And then they said, if you do go out with him, don't go to the drive-in. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you had a reputation? Uh, I guess. Kind of. I guess so. I don't know. They like short, redheaded stepchild kind of guys, I guess. I don't know. So I, I'll just tell you quickly on this. I picked her up. I had an MG midget. It's a very tiny car. Yeah, convertible. Yeah, uh-huh. Could drive it down a sidewalk. Her mom was gone already, right? Yeah. And uh, they went to a was, wedding. Yeah, we were going to a wedding that weekend. The next day. So we pulled into G&O Liquors, and I went in to get some beer for the drive-in. I'm 17. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drinking age 18 then, or was it 21 already? It was It was 21 at the okay. time. And I, I never drank. Uh, no. Before. So... Anyway, I went in and they carded me this time. Usually I could get away with it. 
So I came out and she says, well, where's the beer? And I said, oh, they were out of old Milwaukee and she bought it. She believed me. So. Yeah, but I was relieved. Okay. Because yeah. you didn't drink. drink. No, right. I've been on a date. 15. Yeah. I'm not, no, right. what? Right, right. Yeah, so, so. Uh, anyway. so we went to the drive-in and absolutely nothing happened. We watched the Doberman Gang, which was the stupidest <laughs> movie and uh, came home and I gave her a quick kiss Good night, which I told her she kissed like a steak. And it was like kissing a steak. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I guess I didn't kiss back. I don't know. Yeah, right. So, and then that was we it. went off to Michigan yeah, for the wedding went, the next day. What was your experience like? Oh, I was really nervous, but excited. So excited. And oh, you forgot to tell how clean I was. That's what you loved about me. How clean? Oh, uh-huh. yeah. That's what he liked, how I smelled so clean. Yes. You usually date people that don't shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it's been kind of his nemesis ever since then, since I'm such a clean freak, right. right? Yeah. So I was really excited, nervous, and really shy. So I didn't, probably didn't even talk that much, did I, Jim? Probably not. No, probably not. So how did you guys know when you were a couple? Oh, probably that night. Wow, that was quick. Did you ask her out, like to go steady or whatever? You got me tearing up already. Um, I didn't know. I didn't. We didn't say go steady. I don't think, but I couldn't wait for her to get home, and then, and that was it, boy. We were and we went. We were inseparable, and her mother hated it. What you guys have to be together all the time? What is it? No, we we did, we did. I went to college that fall at Northern. There were no cell phones. We sent a letter to each other every day and we didn't, I had, I didn't have a dime. I was paying for college. We we wrapped tape around our stamp and then we could use it over. If you wrapped it around the stamp, <laughs> they could stick it on the letter and then tape it to the letter and then she could take it off and, you know, wait, yeah, right. Wow. That's how we <laughs> saved money that way. And criminals. Right? <laughs> we had a scam for using you the can't do uh, that anymore, pay phone. <laughs> There was a, a scam I learned on pay phones where you could throw a bunch of pennies down in there and somehow or another it would work. Ooh. I don't know. We did what you needed to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a long distance relationship then for a couple of years, right? I was still in high school. I graduated a whole year early from high school so I could go to college. And be with him. Uh-huh, my, but with then me. my parents decided that that was not going to happen either. I could go to college, but I couldn't go to his same school. He's transferred to the University of Tulsa. I was going to be in nursing. They had nursing. We were both going to go there. Parents didn't like that. So I went to U of I for just one semester, right? For a year. I'm not sure. I think it was a year. And then I said to my parents, either I quit or I go to Tulsa and they let me go. Well, you flunked out. I did? Yeah, you, you, uh, you got Fs. I mean, I couldn't get into U of I. Right. I only had Bs. Yeah, she had tried, A's in high school. You tried to get in. Yeah, because yeah, I didn't, I hated it there. I didn't even go to class a lot. And so. so I was in Tulsa. That's, we, we picked Tulsa because uh, we, it had a nursing and uh, I was, I wanted to be a criminal justice major. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it had both those majors. Tulsa was recruiting up in Arlington Heights at the time. So anyway, I used to um, hitchhike from Tulsa to Champaign. I think I made the trip about three times. Three times. Hitchhike. Wow. Yeah. Hitchhike. Well, yeah. What was the, the highlights and lowlights of that? Well, in, 
I would get on, I think it was 44, and it ran all the way from Tulsa to Effingham. And uh, I would, I learned the ropes here. I'd go out with a champagne sign on, on a piece of cardboard and I was, I would wait till I could get a trucker. And they were produce, independent owner operators running produce from California. And so they would, I think it was, maybe it was 70. I, any, regardless, I'd get an owner operator and they were typically overweight. And so they would pick me up because I would, having company in the cab was would help them to stay awake because they ran the back roads. We were on the two lane highways where we wouldn't go on the expressways mm-hmm. to stay away from the scales. Oh, okay. And yeah. so we'd run all night. I'd go out at five o'clock at night and run all night. And then they'd drop me off in the morning, dawn sometime in Effingham somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then that, that was hard getting from Effingham up to Champagne because then you're on back to cars, which could get off and, you know, oh, I'm only going 10 miles. Yeah. Okay. So what year was that, Jim? 76? 76? 77. It must have been just before hitchhiking became really... Frowned upon. Yeah, yeah. really right. scary. Right. You know. Oh, yeah. it was fun. I, I would have 50 cents in my pocket and, and we'd pull over to the truck stop for the guy to get dinner and he'd say, oh, going to have dinner? And I'd say, oh, no, I'm not hungry. And he'd go, yeah, you are. <laughs> and he'd buy me dinner and wow. cigarettes. Because they knew. They knew. They so knew. you had good, pretty good experience. Oh, I had excellent. Right? Yeah. Oh, it was one of the great things. Very different mm-hmm. times back then. Oh, yeah. Now, you know, guys just swipe right or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to travel halfway across the country to <laughs> right. see their girl. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. So that, that's a long distance relationship you said for like a couple years, two, three years? Two years. No, well, it was a couple of years at Northern. Oh, yeah, it was and three then years. A couple of years at Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Four. You were four years. Wow. Yeah. What were the hard things about that? Oh, we just missed each other terribly. Terribly. Horrifying. Yeah. That's all we wanted to do. We talked on the phone all the time. My phone bill was back then, you had phone bills. It was two. <laughs> 700 $2, bucks. $2, right. Yeah. Wow. 700 bucks. And I remember that oh. bill. Yeah. $700. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. Was so brutal. what was it about the other person you fell in love with? Her body. <laughs> Just well, kidding. Of course, Jim. <laughs> That's an interesting question because I always, I was talking to my daughter about, you know, how our marriage is so wonderful. And, and I said to her, you know, I don't really think I knew, I must have known how great dad was, but I didn't know all the great qualities. I just loved him. But mm-hmm. then he turned out to have all these great qualities after all these years that I just love. You know, he's, he's honest. I, I love that he, he says that he says what he thinks, what's on his mind, but he's not too abrasive. I'm, I was always afraid to say how I was, but he's like, he's who he is. Exactly. He's like blunt. Yeah. Yeah. And he, forthcoming. he's not, yeah. he's not fake. You know, some people you meet, they're fake. He's just completely who he is. He's, and I, I really love that about him. And he's taken care of me for so many years. It's just, he takes care of me without making me feel like a second class citizen. If I could, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Especially um, growing sure. up in the Catholic world, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Jan, we're, Jan and we're I equals. went to the same schools. Yeah. I went to yeah. school with your brother. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
St. Teresa's. No, not St. Emily. St. Emily's. St. Emily's. St. Teresa's. Why did I say St. Teresa's? Percy. Yep. Percy. Yep. <laughs> so you guys really just had like that instant chemistry. Yes. Yes, we did. We, you know, we hear that from a lot of people that have that longevity. And we also hear from the people that did divorce that they knew before they got married. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot. yeah oh. Right. So who said, I love you first? I did. <laughs> and how far into the relationship? I don't know. I remember the a day year? we were in my parents' family room making out. She said, you, did you ask me or I asked you, I think I, no, I know. I asked you, I said, do you like me? And she says, no, I love you. What did that mean for you? I can't even talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, there's, there's one thing that women fear from men and it's that he'll kill us. But there's something that men really fear from women and it's that she'll reject you. Oh, yeah. And that piece, I can see it in you that you look like you're at home, like finding her in your life completed something for you. Oh, absolutely. She's she is my life. Yeah, well, we're, right. We're, we're best we friends. Are, we're best yeah, friends. We right. spend a lot of time together right now. Our we only want to be together. Oh. I mean, I go on a business trip and I, she knows I hate it. I don't like to be away from her. You know, and so. all, people always used to say to me, don't don't. Didn't you want to date more men or see what else? And I'm like, no, and not even till today. I don't, I don't question what's out there because when you're completely in love and happy, yep. Then oh, okay, and it's not like we completely always get along. By the way, we sure do, we do. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about conflict. She was yelling at me on the way over here. Yeah, of course, <laughs> but I've never had that need to feel like I wanted to date a bunch of men or anything like that. My mom was always saying that to me, always. Mm-hmm. And now she loves Jim. Right. So when you guys are in Oklahoma, so you're in school? Yeah, Tulsa. Yep. Did you live together? Did you live in separately? We lived separately until the last semester, and then we moved into a small house. Right before together. we got married. Yeah, okay. like three months before we got married, we moved. So you're already together. engaged at that point? Yes. But my, our families didn't know that because again, back yeah. then, that was not, <laughs> that we was had one general. phone and it was like my phone. So he couldn't even answer it. I had to answer uh-huh. it. And then he told his parents he didn't have a phone, right, Jim? Sorry. Well, I didn't. I mean, there's no, there's just a landline. Phones, no, yeah. there's no cell right. phones. Right. So, yeah. So that was a secret. So tell us about the engagement. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I do. You didn't call me for like two weeks. Oh yeah. Well, okay. So I, that was interesting. I went back, she was home. We went home for Christmas or something like that. And I went back to Tulsa. I uh, worked, uh, I, where did I, oh, I had an apartment or we didn't, have, I had a separate apartment. You were staying okay? at Jean, Jean's house. No, I had, no, I had an apartment and I made money doing maintenance on the apartment building, mm-hmm. painting and all that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> so I'm down there, I'm working from when I woke up in the morning till midnight. And then I, and I just ate, I made biscuits. I didn't want to spend a dime on food or anything. I wanted to, cause I needed to save my money for college. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just bisquick, I make some biscuits, they fill you up, go back to work. And I, didn't call her. I didn't nothing for two weeks because I wanted to see, okay, I 
I was ready to ask her to get married. And I wanted to really test myself and say, is this it? Because I only want to get married once. So I just test yourself if you can stay away from her. Right, or, right, right, exactly. <laughs> okay. Can I, right. Can I stay away from her? Can I, can I live without her? Mm-hmm. Do I, does it get old? What, I mean, I don't know. Does what get old? Do, like you. I mean, can I, do, do you wear off oh. and to the point that I don't need you anymore? So then. She was freaking out over the whole thing. Did you know you were being tested? No. Oh, oh no. I never <laughs> told her. No, he just didn't call. And there's no communication. Oh, and no so like you guys are inseparable and then you don't call for two weeks. Right. Wow. Yeah. Right. Then he just and, leaves and goes back to Tulsa. And, I lost about 10 pounds you know, in that did. whole thing. I couldn't yeah. even eat. I was. That's very right. traumatic. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no, and there's no, in those days, there's no way to communicate. You don't if know someone, if you fell off the face of the earth. Right. If yeah. I'm dead. Yeah. It, remember, I used to. That was yeah, not I'd, very I'd go nice. Out, I'd leave Arlington Ice, put my thumb out, and head for Tulsa. And I would then, it might, you know, from my parents' house, and they had no way of reaching me. Right. And I'd, I'd get to Tulsa, and I didn't want to spend the money on the long-distance phone call. I wouldn't call them. And nobody worried about it. I mean, it wasn't like... It's not like today. Today. Yeah, it's not. So, you know, I might have talked to them for a month after I walked out with my thumb out. So... Anyway, okay, so back bottom line is uh, I had a professor that liked me, liked me as a student. And so she invited me to ask me to babysit her house while she was gone. Jan came back to school. And, and you didn't even pick me up from the airport. Didn't I? No. How'd you get You there? had sent a friend or something. Well, Why was that? I don't that? remember that. Anyway. <laughs> you find out. So we got nice. to the... You know, she came to the house and we uh, spent about a week at the house. And that's when I said, hey, let's, you want to get married. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't, I think you kind of knew. Did you already have a ring? No. No, no, no. Uh, Again, when you don't have any money, Mm -hmm. you don't have anything. Her ring was a back. We went and got a ring then. It was a pull top from a beer can. yeah. That was the ring I'd given her up until this point. Do you still have it? Uh, no. <laughs> you don't? No. The pull top? Mm-mm. Oh. Anyway. Look, no. All right. So I bought her. When so we then we went and got married, a ring. We got rings. I mean, it was this. I still have it. This is 35 bucks. And her ring was 185 bucks. But I don't have it. It was stolen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Anyway. And those were wedding rings or was it an actual engagement ring and a wedding ring? Engagement ring. Engagement. So how did your families feel about you guys getting married? They didn't like it. No, they never. Both families did not like our relationship. Mm -hmm. They fought us tooth and nail. We're like, what the heck are we? What's their problem? Oh, her parents were brutal. I was really, I mean, I got married when we were, I was 19, almost 20. Yeah. So that was five years. That might have been the problem. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, <laughs> well, from your perspective now, I think you could yeah. have some compassion exactly. for your families. Were exactly. Again. Yeah. I remember they were yeah. jerking us around really bad for being together. I was, I drove a truck hauling hay, believe it or not, in Arlington Heights. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's back, over. Back in the day. We're yeah. Definitely yeah. Aging so, um, yeah, Arlington Heights Road, Rand Road, there was a, a building with semis and they, we hauled hay and feed and stuff. But anyway, bottom line is, the the fa- her father came to my parents' house and and uh, she was with 
she was there because my parents had a place in Wisconsin that they would go to. I said, she's not here. And he's screaming and threatening me and all this other crap. Anyway, I closed the door. And I'm so, I said, screw this guy. I've had enough with him. I'm going to teach him a lesson. And I rented a motel room on Rand Road. I said, she ran out. She ran away. She's sick of you. Ew. And I rented a motel room up on Rand Road and put her up in that thing to try to break him so he would leave us alone and teach him who's the boss. Did it work? What do you no. say? Not really. Say no, not really. <laughs> he was a. Was so I'm guessing you didn't ask permission. Permission? To marry. Oh, no. no. Are you kidding? No. 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 I had, I had no, res- did, no respect. Did they ever for them. soften up your guys' family? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, how yeah, long yeah, did it yeah. take him? Not long. Right after the marriage. Yeah, after we say. got married. After we got married. Yeah. What do they got? I mean, Jan's mom uh, planned the wedding with Jan, so. Yeah. How long yeah. after the engagement did you guys get married? Uh, about a year. Right? I would say, yeah. yeah. We got, we got married ma- as soon as he graduated. New Year's Eve. We, or, yeah, New Year's Eve we got married. Yeah. And it wasn't because it was New Year's Eve. It was a Saturday. We wanted to get married really fast. I finished school right then. <clears throat> And, uh, and, uh, so we got married immediately. I didn't have a job. And then we moved back to Tulsa and lived in our little house for six months. I went like another semester of school. Yeah. And then we decided we didn't want to be far away from our families, grow to have start our life in Oklahoma, far away from both of our families, our siblings, mostly. So we moved back here. We lived with his parents for a few months and then rented an apartment. In Hoffman States, right? Right. Yeah. What are some of the challenging things that happen when you're first just starting out in life and starting out in marriage? Um, the first few years were great, right? Um, I <laughs> well, when I started working at Nielsen, I went. I tried to go back to school at Northern. I never finished. I have about three years in. I never finished because I was changed from nursing to be a teacher and then decided I didn't want to be a teacher. So I really never knew what I wanted to be or do. Mm-hmm. So I got a job. I wanted to be a mom, actually. That's what I wanted to That's be. That's what it was. Life. I mean, yeah. you're way smarter I than I be, am. I, I just, just wanted to be a mom. Right. So, yeah, I'm sure I could have graduated. Sure. Smart enough. And so I got a job at AC Nielsen. It was really a good job, a good job, you know, for back then it was, so I worked there for about four years. We wanted to have kids and we, but during that time of our life, so that was like the first four, five years or four years. So I was working. I met a lot of young people my age were working. They became like really good friends and Jim was included in that. So they were all single. We were married and we just went or out all the time together on weekends we that was kind of our wild stage but we were married mm-hmm. but still had it so we we're all friends it was really fun we just saw a couple of those friends not too long ago so it was a really oh fun time right oh yeah, yeah. it was good okay. i mean I, I i feel like we didn't get along we that argued well a lot. we argued a lot in the first couple of years yeah maybe but um but we had fun too we did what kind of things would you guys argue about no idea. Know. I'm just. I don't remember stress. anymore either. Yeah. Anymore. No, I, I really don't yeah, know. I don't know. Was yeah, it really stressful living in your parents' home? Oh yeah, we didn't. We wen't there very long. We were only a few months. Okay. Yeah, we did, didn't. 
It was not too bad there. We lived there uh, in Tulsa. You can buy a house for nothing. And we thought, oh, we're going to go to Chicago and buy a house and get going. Well, <laughs> the houses were <laughs> twice the price. And so we moved into my parents thinking we would save some money, but it was kind of futile. It didn't work. So we rented apartments for quite a few years until mm-hmm. we could. We borrowed two grand from her mother, who was divorced and really didn't have a pot to pee in. But she had a couple grand and she gave it to us. And we bought a condo in Mount Prospect. That was our first purchase, right? I mean, interest rates were, a mortgage was 16%. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then we wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. We're so excited about that, but that turned out not to be, didn't happen. What's the story? What do you mean, what's the story? Like you're trying. Right. Yeah. We tried. We tried. And then and I we went, went in. and got, we, we tried for what, a, probably a year, mm-hmm. maybe. And so I went to my uh, doctor and said, you know, what's going on? She's like, well, have your husband tested. And he was tested and. I was shooting blanks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how did you guys, so what did you guys do with that? I cried. I'm adopted. So I'm like, oh, no, okay. No big deal. We'll go big adopt. deal to him. That was hard for me. Because I remember when we were trying, I used to wear like these big dresses, pretending I was pregnant and stuff like that. Mm. So it's a, it's a definitely a loss in my life. So you could but, have chosen a different path. Did they have in vitro kind of stuff there where you could have? Yeah, they did. They had, I did do one artificial insemination, mm-hmm. but then we decided that we didn't want to go through with that again. Mm-hmm. And that never happened. I didn't get pregnant. Okay. So, and then I just thought, it just didn't seem right. He wasn't for it, that much for it. And I'm like, yeah, that's not. So we applied an adoption agency and we got our son, James, with it, less time than it would have been for me to be pregnant. Wow. So wow. the loss wasn't too long because I got a baby. So talk about that process because we we know that there's things that you have to make a lot of decisions on about what type of child you're willing to take on or not. Mm-hmm. So what kind of, what was that like? At that time, we were just going for a white baby. Because right? we're white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just so happened that we, we didn't have to make a whole lot of decisions at that time. No. It, it was just like God gave us our baby. Did you mm-hmm. I was a birth tw- mom? Did you? No, it was a closed adoption. Okay. It was a closed adoption. This was, this was 34 years ago. Yeah. yeah he's 34. And you went through an agency. We, uh, yeah. Right. Well, do you remember the cost of that? Nothing. We didn't have any money. So they looked at our, our yeah, tax return, tax return, whatever it was. Right. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I just saw I made like 19,000 or something. Right. I don't know what you were making. You were starting. I made, your own no, business. I made 19,000. You made all told our, our maybe I didn't even make. 19, you did. Maybe you made some money. Regardless, our tax return showed 19 or 20 grand that year. Yeah. So that wow. Was, things have really changed a lot. Yeah. It's tens of thousands of dollars now to adopt. Yeah. Well, yeah. So they didn't care. Wait, what was the name of the agency? Lutheran Child and Family Services. Well, that's where we. No, no, no. It was um, St. Mary's Services Episcopal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you know about your adoption? I know that I was six months old. Mm-hmm. I know my my name. I had a name. Your birth um, name. Yeah. My 
grandfather was pretty much on his deathbed. That my biological, biological, mm-hmm. and he said to my mom, "When are you going to bring home my little redheaded grandson?" You can't tell now, no, but I'm, no, I was you're redheaded. Biological, you're adopted. My my adopted, adopted grandfather. grandfather. Okay, my mom's dad. Got it. You said okay. biological. Did I say? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, and then her name was the the uh, agent. Her name was Miss Mugen, and Miss Mugen came over to visit with my parents. Somehow or another, Stag Island came up. Well, Stag Island is a little island on the Detroit River off, off of Port Huron. And my my mom had a cottage there. Her, her family did. And when I say cottage, I'm talking cabin with a pump. You this know? is your birth mom. No, my mom. Your I don't know my okay. birth mom. Okay. I know nothing. So Got anything it. we talk about, I know all, nothing about them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're talking about the Stag Island of all things. The the adoption agency lady and my mom, my my adopted mom, had this in common, which is kind of a I, I call it a godsonance. And anyway, they brought me over one time. The and and they said give them a give them a test run, you know. My mom's like, test run? What are you talking about? <laughs> and she came back and they said, how, she said, how'd it go? And my mom's crying because she's thinking, test run, they're going to take me away. I'm six months old. And they didn't take me away. And I, that's it. So. And you don't know anything that happened in the first six months of your life? I don't. I All I know, I could have researched it. Mm-hmm. But frankly, I'm not. No I interest. don't know. It just wasn't a priority for me. Mm-hmm. I kind of fiddled with it once. And at this stage of the game, I, I don't need any more relatives with problems to, right. <laughs> I, you know what? I'll stick with my own family. Were and, you the first child that your yeah, parents adopted? I'm the eldest. And my sister is three years younger. Mm-hmm. I'm 63. She just turned 60. And then my parents, it was just the two of us. And then uh, when actually, when I was dating Jan, my parents had just adopted their second boy. So my brother is probably, John is about 49. Okay. Yeah, and 49. my my littlest brother is about 46. Okay. So. There's four of them. So Jan rode her bicycle to my house one day. There's my mom holding a, a little baby. She's like, what the heck's going on? Who is, who, what did you think? Forgot what I thought it was a neighbor's baby. Because, <laughs> yeah, it was did my you brother. Know? Did you know? It was my my brother. Yeah, right. Oh, so, I knew, but you didn't tell her. Apparently not. <laughs> yeah. I no, mean, we I were mean, just getting started here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know he had a little brother. So <laughs> yeah. So then you guys are pretty quickly able to get Jimmy. Yeah, right. We got him really quickly, and I remember I, he had blonde hair so I remember when I, you know I didn't want anyone to know he was adopted so that was I think that was kind of strange I've gone through a whole thing with adoption since then but I was 25 when he when we got him mm-hmm. I was that's pretty young yeah you know when I look at my daughter now she's 26 and, and, that's and was a he lot to how go old was through. he he was three days okay yeah that's when they could the birth moms can sign and I did not, we did not meet his, his birth mom. It was a closed adoption. 
So, but I remember back then I just wanted him to be mine, you know, all mine. I didn't want anyone to know he was adopted. I just, so people would always say in the store, oh my gosh, his father must have blonde hair. And I'd be like, I'd always say, yes, actually, you don't really have to tell strangers in the store that your kid's adopted anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but since my, as our life grew and we went through more next adoption, I'll, I'll go back to that in a second. I finally became proud of the fact that my kids were adoption and our story. And I always then shared it mm -hmm. as, as I grew up. Yeah. Back then, you know. How did you, how did you come to that? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. It wasn't just something, I, I didn't work on it. Maybe I just, I don't know. Oh, well, here, I'll, I'll tell you the backstory. Um, we went then to try to get our second child. Well, gosh, it was so easy the first time. Won't it be so easy the second time? No. No. It's not so easy the second time. And they say to us, well, we don't have any white babies, but we can give you a Hispanic baby. Mm -hmm. But I, w that's, I was probably, we were 28, 27, 28, 29 by then I was, you were a little older. I just said, I can't, I can't. Mm -hmm. it's, it's too different. I could. Yeah. But, but, we, but we had to do it together. Could. Yeah, right. So consequently, to get a white baby, then we waited to get in a lot. We were in lotteries back then. And that's when open adoption was coming to be okay. popular. Mm -hmm. um, Does and that mean then the birth mom parents choose? Yes. Okay. And that's so with how Jimmy, we, that didn't happen. That no. was a match by the agency. The agency just matched okay. us. We didn't see the mom at all or anything. Then so many years later, Jordan and our second daughter, uh, James, and our second daughter are like almost eight years apart. So we waited that long wow. to get our second child. And it was through a lottery. They picked, just picked our name. And so then Jordan's birth mom, her you name. You waited that long or it took that long because of the lottery? Yeah, it took that long to just. For our name to be called. For our name to be picked. Wow, okay. And our name was picked one time before that. Uh -huh. or, actually, our name was picked. So then. We were paired up with a birth oh, mother. Oh, I forgot about that. And um, mm -hmm. they said, come down and meet. She wants to meet you. Yeah. We went down to the, the baby hospital. The baby was born. The boy, baby was born? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we went to, yeah, because we held the baby. So we went down to the hospital, met the birth mother, and held the baby, came home. I was um, I was sick, but they said, it's okay. Babies have strong immune systems. So oh, yeah. Okay, whatever you tell me. So. I we came I came home. Jan went to a wedding that night, and I got the phone call that that she changed her mind. She really? wasn't going to that, uh, that place the, the child. That was so hard. It was brutal. Yeah, that brutal. was brutal. That that was heart wrenching. I have to you say you had already accepted and bonded. And oh, and all of our relatives had brought all these baby things over, and it was the that it was, was tough. really hard. I mean, it's just so hard. That yeah. was so hard. We just stayed home that day and cried all day. Remember, yeah. you didn't go to yeah. work. I think while well, you were sick, but so th th yeah, that was. Then we got picked again, and it was an option, open adoption again, and so we had to write letters to the birth mom, dear birth mom, and I'm sure I still have the letters. Mm -hmm. And so the birth mom, birth mom reads our letter and picks us virtually. So. We go to, our daughter was born in Belleville, Illinois, drove down there, and um, we had our older son with us, but we didn't tell him 
because we didn't know. We were scared to death this time because of what had just happened to yeah. us two years prior. Mm-hmm. Was it about two years prior to that with the other little girl? So we um, get to the hotel and we stayed in a hotel in St. Louis. The next morning, the agency calls us and says, there's been a change of plans. You're not going to pick the baby up at the hospital first. The Her birth mom wants to meet you. Oh, before she signs the papers. Before she signs the papers. Oh, it was nerve wracking. The drive. And the second time. Yeah. We're driving there. I, I I can feel that. I can, this, my body right now is just filling up with that same fear and terror, really just being so afraid. We get there, we meet her. She talks to us. She's very kind and just a, just a gentle woman, a really nice, gentle woman. And she just wanted to meet us. And then she had left Jordan at the hospital and then she signed the papers and we went and got her. So, and I'll just remember coming out of there. We're just like, so ecstatic and relieved too oh yeah Yeah. our son when our son was a little boy when he was little before jordan came along we would go to the shopping mall and give him a penny to throw in the water Mm -hmm. and he would hold it up to his lips and and then he would throw it in the fountain we'd say well what are you wishing for and he'd say a baby sister Although then he got one. I don't know if he was so happy about it. (laughs) By eight, you know, he was so he had some problems adjusting to not being an only child because by the time you're eight and you're the center of attention. And the only and the only grandkid, too. So, yeah, with lots and lots of aunts and uncles. It, It seems as though you guys, not just as a couple, but also as parents, bonded before you even met the kids. Like that pain that you're already experiencing. It's like that that openness and that connection that was there before you met. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. I think that's a really special thing. I think especially for you being an adopted person that you've been able to create a family based on, you know, those type of bonds, which is awesome. Yep. Because blood isn't always the best. Uh, No. (laughs) Right, you never know. You never know. Just... A little more about adoption. Our older son, when he and his wife were pregnant with our granddaughter, she wanted to find out some more history about. And so they went online and searched. And there was a thing that his birth mom put down that when he was 18, that he could contact her. So he met her. He went and well, he called us up first. And he How said, how did you guys feel about that? Um, I was we fine. felt okay about it because we had already been through meeting Mar- Margie, Jordan's mm-hmm. birth mom, and it was a wonderful experience. Oh, and by the way, we wrote letters to her the first year. I sent her pictures of Jordan. Mm. It was just such, she didn't want to come and see her, but she just wanted to know that she was okay and in mm-hmm. a good place and how she was doing and see pictures. And we always sent her flowers, Margie, on Jordan's birthday until, That's I cool. don't know. Yeah. That's really cool. Not, not anymore, but... But he was so excited to meet his birth mom that he wanted. So he met her at a restaurant and then he called us up about nine o'clock. I want you to you have to. Can we come over? We're going to drive over to your house. We want you to meet her, too. So that was a, actually another very emotional time. Just meeting the woman that gave up her child for you. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, it's a pretty amazing thing. But it's interesting about the relationship. And she's a you know, a wonderful woman, but I'm the mom. I'm, Mm -hmm. we're the mom and the dad. He has some little relationship with her. It was more in the beginning and they just kind of, 
they're in contact, Mm -hmm. but it just kind of fulfilled him. And then he just went along. I feel like we even became closer. Yeah. I was going to say, did that help you heal something? Yeah. Yeah. That idea of him being blonde and yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jordan was blonde then too. So that worked really good. Cause then once that happened, everyone would be like, Oh, they're your kids. (laughs) Brown, red, blonde. Sure. Okay. And you guys were like 29, 30 when Uh, you had Jordan? Uh, 33. 33. Yeah. Okay. So 25 with James and then 33 with Jordan. And I was, I must have been 36 36 then. You thought you were so old. I did. Too old to have a kid. (laughs) (laughs) And then we, uh, my wonderful husband decided that about a couple years later, no, not a couple years, when Jordan was in third grade, that gosh darn, we have an extra bedroom and we have all this love in our family. It would be really nice if we, because we always wanted more kids. I wanted five kids. Yeah. So we did, We decided to get our foster care license and foster a child. That Is that was a difficult process? Open. No. Okay. No. It's intense, though. We had to we go had to, to, go to some classes on the weekend. I always hate going to class on Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, we went on vacation to London on spring break, and we had just we had still had one more class to go. And the foster care agency called us and said, "We have a boy that really needs a home right now, and you can finish your class whenever." But will you take him? And um, we're like, "Sure, sure, we'll take him." But the interesting thing that I think is so interesting that this boy that was available, who later we adopted and became our son. He was African-American, mm-hmm. black. And so I went full circle from not taking a Hispanic kid to then having a black son. So from two, blo- so everyone knows he's adopted by then, you know. So <laughs> well, I, even full circle, not wanting anyone to know right, that you to, adopted a yes, child, right? Yes. Okay. So then, yeah, which I always think is interesting. And so uh, we got Jack in our house. Uh, when he was seven, and tell, the, um, tell about what when we were driving from the when we picked him up. Cute little boy. Yeah, we were driving home, and we wanted to get him to get him something to eat and have lunch. So we went to this fast food place, and we were walking or Portillos or something, and we're standing there, and we're like, "What would you like to eat?" And he goes, "I really don't want anything to eat. I just want to go home." Oh, how old was he? Oh. Seven. So then we were like, okay, you mean our house? He goes, yeah, yeah, I want it. So we go to our house and it probably looked like a... Uh, no, what? I'm going to throw one more. Okay. So we're in the car and, and I said, well, what do you want to call us? And he goes, mom and dad. Wow. <laughs> wow. Right on. I mean, didn't yeah. hesitate. He, ne- he never called us anything different than mom and, and dad. And that was as a foster situation. It wasn't an adoption situation. Oh, yeah. It was foster. Yeah. We just wow. picked them up. From yeah. actually, yeah, he had been in a emergency foster care for one week before we got him. Wow. And then he was previously living with his his aunt in a foster situation, but she was a, trying to adopt him. But he told his court attorney that she was abusing him. And then they looked into that and she had been abusing him. Mm. So they said, no, you can't adopt him. And then he went into an emergency. They just went and got the foster care system then just went and got him that night and brought him to an emergency shelter like foster yeah. home. Mm-hmm. And he didn't like that at all. I guess he was very. Well, he struggled in our house too. Yeah. He, it was a very difficult yeah. thing for him. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, and, and I always think about that. How sad when you're seven, you know that nobody wants you. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, 
you can understand when you're mm-hmm. seven that, oh, no, I better make this work or not or yeah, to feel so, that rejection. Yeah, yeah. that's got that's got to be a hard thing. So well, they say that you know when animals get scared, they run to a place like a den or up a tree. When a person gets scared, they run to a person. So when you're that little and you don't have a person to go to, that's that's a big deal. Scary, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he used to when he first came. Remember, he used to jump on me and like want me to hold him like a baby almost. Yeah. I'd be right. like carrying him around like a monkey. Right. He wasn't that heavy, so I could, but. So it was rough after we um, brought our foster child home. Obviously, it was difficult for him, difficult for all of us adjusting. It's not like bringing a baby home that doesn't have all these needs when a seven, when someone's a seven-year-old. It really disrupts the whole um, unity of the family, mm-hmm. you know, right. which is a a very sudden, interesting. Somebody needs a lot of attention yeah. and everybody else has to give it. From somewhere. Yes. Oh, good point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was naive enough to think, oh, come on. Here's here's your room. Here's the house. Let's sit. Let's have dinner. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Yeah. Not that good. So that was a, it's a it was a difficult time for all of us. It's so hard when you're trying to do the right thing and it's you don't even know if what you're doing is helpful or not helpful. Yeah. I still question whether it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are really big unanswered questions. I feel like maybe what I, I I feel like I was interrupting nature. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you know even from that bigger spiritual place of life lessons and how things are supposed to go. But I think right, right, know. right, right. That exactly. And uh, we've been told that by other other people. And and the the interesting part about it is he came from. You know, nothing, no family, no nothing. And he was the fifth wheel in a in a household that was very chaotic and very, I mean, he was eating beans for dinner yeah. while his aunt was out doing whatever she did. Mm-hmm. And Vienna sausages and just taking care of himself as a, a little boy. Mm-hmm. But he comes into our home, which is a regular suburban home and I uh, had loving parents, loving siblings going on vacation. We went, took them to Thailand cruises. We had a boat, all those wonderful things. And, and as soon as he could make a move, he chose to bolt and he would leave for weeks at a time in his teens oh, weeks, so heartbreaking weeks. And then he'd show up, you know, Two weeks later, or I would find him. Oh, she would go find him somewhere. So he wanted to be on the streets. Mm-hmm. Well, at some point, we uh, agreed with him mm-hmm. and let him go, yeah. and said, "No, no, that's not that's not how it goes here. You don't show up here at two in the morning because you're tired and come in and wreak havoc in our household, and then two days later you get all comfy again and head out again on the road." So going to happen. How how did that experience in fostering then challenge the two of you and your marriage and your relationship together? We disagreed on how to handle it. Okay. This is not something we learned. Yeah. So we disagreed. She, I'll, I shouldn't speak for you, but she wanted to put up with it, and I'm not going to put up with it. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I, I was a when I was 17. I'm like, you know what, mom and dad, I'm cutting the strings. I'm out of here, and. I, I took responsibility, took for, responsibility for myself, mm-hmm. but 
this guy, different story. And she, so when he, well, I'm a mom, I'm more nurturing. Right. You are more, more nurturing, nurturing you know, type pull, of person. Pull on your heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and always giving him an allowance mm-hmm. for all that he had been through. You know, that was my big thing, you know, almost, not money. And I'll, no, no, you not allowed him. To, I allowed him right. certain things, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I was on I was on active duty with him. I would be called to the school often mm-hmm. for what things that he was doing, whatever. So it was a very stressful time for me. I was very nervous, running on nervous energy, not knowing how. But I was always saying to everyone that love has got to win over this. I mean, when you show someone that you love them and you care for them they're gonna feel it soon enough mm-hmm. you know and that's how i was kind of approaching would, would it differ yeah and i and was tough taking the tough, tough love, love. The tough right. love. Right. you don't yeah. want to live here okay but adios right. i have to say now that i am still he's an, an adult now but i and we're in the tough love phase still mm-hmm. but i'm i'm taking over the old but now when i have the tough love he's changing to be the <laughs> nurturing kind of guy all of a sudden oh, i'm no. like wait a minute this is so confusing. Yeah, trading places huh? yeah we are we, we have we actually we not right places. at this moment we yeah. are i'm sort of like let him be let mm-hmm. him and he's meddling so right. well one of the things that we know is that if you guys could have done anything you would have and you did so much for him and it is that heartbreaking and it's a really important thing for people to consider that, you know, and I think it is, I, I think it's a very gracious act to take a human being into your home and to help them in that way. But if you're expecting things back, that's, that's the hard part because a lot of times those situations look just like that, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, just yeah. being a, a parent in general, you, you just, you do the best that you can and you have to let go of the rest. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone creates their own path in life. Yes. So yes. you guys are, are empty nesters and have been for how long now? Jordan moved to Colorado two years ago, right? Yeah. Two but years. We, we left in 2013 on our boat. Uh, okay. So uh, it was fall of 2013 and we were traveling on the boat. Um, Just the two of you? Yes. So we were, and Jordan was at home, mm-hmm. our daughter. Mm-hmm. So um, we... We've been, I would say we've been empty nesters basically since then, because we were on the boat a lot. We'd come home, go back, but, and then she took off. Oh, well, she, I guess we were together in 14 in summer a bit, but it's not important. We've, we've been empty nesters, I would say pretty much since then. So tell us about your trip. We uh, have a boat and we left Racine, Wisconsin to take a trip called the Great Loop. It was Jan's idea. I didn't want to go up until the last minute because I'm a chicken, but she's very brave. So we drove our boat down the river system into the Gulf of Mexico. And we got there in winter of 13. So does that come out in like New Orleans area? Mobile, Alabama. Okay. Yeah. You could come out in New Orleans, but we, you went Alabama. long story, but you come out Mobile. That's okay. where most people do. And then you run down the coast of Florida and we went, we did the Bahamas that year keys and bunch of stuff like that spent six weeks in key west was it that year maybe the year after mm-hmm. i don't remember i had to go to betty ford clinic after that <laughs> but um <laughs> anyway when we got there we um 
our, the, the trip entails going all the way back up to New York City, cutting in on the Hudson River, and then Erie Canal and back into the Great Lakes and making your way back home. And uh, we got to Jacksonville. Something told us that time we're, we're not going to go home yet. So we retraced our steps down and, and down to Stewart and put the boat in storage, went home. And in the fall of 2014, Jen was diagnosed with breast cancer, and it was very serious. Uh, it, was, it was Thanksgiving. It had progressed quite a bit. So then we knew why we came home. Today, we're, she is healthy as a horse, and we attribute that to um, modern medicine, yes, but also lots of other things, our, our faith. She sees an energy healer actually uh, twice, twice a week. Twice yeah. a week. I'm going to give the energy healer about 80% of the credit in modern medicine, the other 20. If she's listening to this, she's going to say 100, but whatever. Of course. Of course. <laughs> you, you can mention her name if you like. Her, her name is Audie Stewart, and she's yeah. out of Naperville. We've shared her with many, many people who have actually gone to her. And I have, I have very concrete evidence of her abilities so i've there's no doubt about, i mean personal concrete evidence was, um, that, was that something you were open to initially or was that it was just a desperate situation so no 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 actually jan went down there we've always been students of mm-hmm. uh, that's where we met you right because we we were like-minded mm-hmm. i think i met her because i needed to get rid of some baggage that I was right, carrying around right. my and life. And then we learned about the way you think. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we've always been students of Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra, that kind of a spiritual thought, thought process. Mm-hmm. And so some weird chain of events brought Jan to Adi. Um, it wasn't a weird chain of events. It was me actually seeking her out. Okay. I, yes, I, that's a very did, important thing. Was that a referral or was that just... It was a friend of mine. Okay, I had a friend that passed away. And while she was critically ill, um, I met her sister-in-law. Her sister-in-law became part of our Bible study. I knew her sister-in-law was in an energy type of group where she lived. So when I was diagnosed November, found out the whole deal at the end of December, basically, I emailed her and said, I'd like the name of an energy healer. I feel like my girlfriend, this is all just like destined to happen. She gave me a name. She gave me Adi's name, but she'd never been to her. She just said that that this woman, everyone really admires and thinks, you know, was an an awesome person. Mm -hmm. So I started going to her and that was so I've been going to her for three and a half years. So and st- and also still taking some medication. What was it? What was was it hormone therapy? Right. Yeah, hormone therapy. So diagnosed in twenty fourteen. Is that one? Yes. Right. And it was diagnosed with stage four. Stage four. Stage four. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And and did you do like radiation no. and chemo? No, you didn't do any of that. I well, stage four. It's no. too late for all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's too late. Too bad you guys can't see my wife because she's perfect. You would never know. She you'd never know. She doesn't even have a pimple. She's perfect. I am not. So, um, and I, since then, I also have met another doctor. Her name is Doctor Marilyn Mitchell. We know she's, her. 
You do? Sure. Mm-hmm. You know Marilyn? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And she was in woman's care. Mm-hmm. She actually did my hysterectomy because I had a fibroid tumor back in 1985. 93. It was 93. Oh. Was no, she, was she no, also George, practicing? It was 95. Was she 95. also practicing her spirituality work as well as okay, well, traditional she was. medicine? Mm-hmm. She was with her. She was married to her. Right. Her and her husband owned mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. woman care. Okay. Yeah. And then they got divorced. So, and then he's, she's left right. with mm-hmm. all of her energy healing people, yeah. but they were actually doing it then. I didn't know that. I wasn't going to her. I went to one of her partners mm-hmm. when I had this emergency, needed this emergency operation. It was on July 4th and she happened to be on call. She did my surgery. I never really met her or saw her. We were on our boat in South Haven, Michigan, and Jan passed out wow. on below deck. She had been losing blood and didn't know it because you couldn't see it on a boat toilet. We pulled her off the boat in an ambulance, took her to the hospital. And that night was a hellacious night because they didn't know what was going on. And they finally figured it out and they had no surgeon. It's a small town. Mm -hmm. They put her in an ambulance and drove her all the way from South Haven to Arlington Heights in the ambulance. Yeah. And the next was so then the I met Marilyn that, that night and that night, she yeah. did my operation the next day. And then when I went for my recheck, I went back to the other doctor. So I never really knew her. A new friend of mine that I met just a couple of years ago, we're walking and she said, I told her I go to an energy healer. She goes, oh, is that Marilyn Mitchell? And I'm like, Marilyn Mitchell is in energy work. Yeah. Didn't you know that? No, I had no idea. So I reconnected with her, told her the whole story. And so I go to her now. I also yeah. go, I have a regular oncologist, but mm-hmm. um, Marilyn's amazing. And she, yeah. she's amazing. So yeah. I have this great team of wonderful women in, around me. And, and, and again, your story for so many different aspects of your guys' lives is everything just kept showing up how it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. 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 These people were uh, boaters and they're from Deer Park where we live that, that, connected her to Marilyn right. again. We never really were that friendly with them. And then they ended up, we did our great loop and then we came back and we were moved to a different slip and these people were next to right us. Right next to <laughs> wow. Of course. So we became friends. And they live right by us in Deer Park. Yeah, but we just never that. really connected with them. And, and then we became friends through that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, Marilyn Mitchell is going to be on a, a PBS special about how she, about her energy work yeah. and healing. And I was just at the shoot on Friday. I was the patient that she was working on. Cool. So it was pretty cool. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. How are you feeling now? I feel wonderful. I feel amazing. What I'm are your thoughts my... about going on that journey? Like having this uh, in your life? And... Yeah. First of all, I was shocked because I'd done all precautions mammogram every year, everything I'm supposed to do, go to my doctor when I'm, you know, I do all the tests and they just missed it. They just plain out missed it. They didn't have the right technology that she had a three centimeter tumor in her breast and they didn't catch it. Wow. Wow. And, and I did go and talk to them about that, by the way, we had a meeting with the hospital, but 
I guess the the radiologist said, yeah, we know we know that it's wasn't good enough, but what are we supposed to do? Well, she has dense breast. Now they recognize dense Mm -hmm. versus regular. Yeah. They didn't recognize that before. So you can have a mammogram mammograms all the time and they come out perfect. Her mammogram was perfect. Actually, I was diagnosed in November of 2014 in October. I had a, I went for my mammogram. That was, they call me back and they did even an ultrasound and they cleared me. Wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that actually mammograms, they find more false things that are upsetting to people than actual yeah. real things. Yeah. 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 So I'm a little, yeah. When I hear all that, I'm a little question. A little I've bit. never done it. Never had a mammogram. Nope. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, well. it didn't help me any and I'm well. And again, I take responsibility for whatever my health is. Right. Yeah, sure. But yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. You know what? We've taken a different approach to medicine. Very different since that. Started to read between the lines on what's what doctors think, do, prescribe, etc. And what they truly know. And they don't right. right. And and they've got, you know, fifteen minutes to talk to you and mm-hmm. figure out what's wrong with you and and honest <laughs> that talk talk about Adi. This summer, I'd had pain in the area of my prostate. Mm. I wasn't quite sure what it was. And I went in, my my coworker has stage four prostate cancer. Mm. Oh, by the way, examined every year, the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so I'm not going to take it lightly. So I went in and talked to my doctor. She gave me a, a, a prescription for that, for prostatitis, which mm-hmm. was an antibiotic. And and then I had other symptoms. It's kind of gross, but diarrhea for six weeks. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And I talked to her on the phone. I didn't go in. She goes, oh, I think that antibiotic probably killed all your good bacteria. or And now you have C. diff. Oh. Well, C. diff is serious. Yeah, it's pretty serious. Yeah. A very deadly yeah. And uh, so she prescribed three 500 milligram antibiotics a day for 10 days. And I went in to fill the prescription. They said, oh, by the way, you can't drink during this process. Mm. Well, I like to have a beer once in a while. And and in fact, I have a, a lot of social engagements, had them lined up. I'm like, I don't like that idea. So I called my energy healer, Adi. I said, would you check in on me? She goes, you don't have C. diff. She's right that the bacteria is killed. I want you to take a probiotic. Mm -hmm. And she sent me a little picture of the one that she wanted me to get. And so I threw the antibiotics away and I took the probiotic and I was fine. Within a week, I was off to the races. And and I I can't, there's numerous instances like this where doctors, since since Jan's diagnosis, mm-hmm. doctors have grossly misdiagnosing. These are respected doctors, sure. Sure. our friends, our family. And Adi's checked in on them and said, well, this, this is what I think is going on. And she was right. Mm-hmm. So. But it's, it's a tough journey to be told that is scary. And it's hard to, you know, I try, I've, we try to live as normally as we can, but you know, it's sometimes just that fear just wells up and it's mm-hmm. scary, Yeah, you know, but it, I think 
for me, it's like facing your mortality is what it is, yeah. basically. I mean, you really, you know, none of us are getting out of here alive. I mean, that's the bottom line of it. And I know For that sure. and you knew that. But how often do you really think of, oh, I'm actually. It's not way out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not when I'm 80. It's not when I'm 90. So I, I kind of have faced that. And once I kind of walk through that fear, it then kind of elite it kind of goes away a little bit. Is there, is there something is added to your life living that in the present? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I try to do that. I, I'm not as hectic as I used to be running around trying to be superwoman. I'm calmer, much. Uh, you let go of more things. Yeah. 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 I, and I'm old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Did that yeah. experience bond you guys closer? Yes. Yeah, for sure. When we went after she was diagnosed, we we went to Mayo Clinic to to uh, right away when she was diagnosed to see what they had to say. Oh, actually, another I won't waste a lot of time talking about it, but a, a weird uh, godsendance took place at Mayo Clinic where they said this the senior person in research in metastatic breast cancer just had a cancellation and, and we can get you in to see her now, <laughs> of course, right now. Yeah. And we went in and saw her, Deborah Rhodes, and she was a pioneer in, in the early 2000s in identifying dense breasts versus regular. Deborah Rhodes, we talked to her, she came out to Chicago and we met with her again. She had another engagement and I asked her about what she felt about energy healing. And she says, without Blinking an eye, she says, I said, do you believe in that? She says, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, um, and well, so but the so, question is how so, it bond us. Well, my, my nickname for Jan is the MIP, which is Miracle in Progress. <laughs> and we were, um, okay, so Jan had this, this gastrointestinal pain that was, it, it was horrifying. She had an incident in the Bahamas when we were there on the boat. Where she couldn't even get out of the boat to help the tie up. The worst she couldn't help tie had. up. I've never had that. I mean, bringing our boat in is a bear and she couldn't get out. So anyway, we got home and she went to the doctor and the doctor checked her out and said, I don't see anything wrong with you. She just had the great mammogram and she, um, I, he said, oh, you can go to a gastroenterologist if you want. And she said, yeah, he says, whatever. And I said, go. Go get it done. And she went there. The guy calls us on a, what, a Friday night? It was a Friday night. Friday night. They always call it Friday night. Six o'clock. We just Six sat o'clock. down with the he glass goes, Oh, my God. You have to go to the doctor. You have cancer. And it's everywhere, he says. It's just everywhere. like out of the blue. Right your body. Like oh, oh, my wow. God. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He says, I'm going to set you up with an oncologist. And I want you to go on Monday morning. I want to look at the other half of your, he only did a half of a, a scan and he looked at the other half and he calls her at egg harbor she was out having coffee with her friend monday morning oh my god it's there too it's in all your over. bones he had the worst he's like it's yeah. in your bones it's it's everywhere oh, i almost passed out in egg harbor so we go so we have an appointment at four o'clock the next afternoon with the gastroenterologist well or not no, not, the no oncolog- with the oncologist, the oncologist. Oh, yeah, sure. Wake up every coffee and wait till four o'clock to talk to the oncologist the first time. Sure. Yeah. So we're, we, we, 
It was horrifying. Every minute's like an hour. We got in the car and we just drove and drove and drove. We ended up in Harvard and then we turned around and drove back. And we went to Tacos El Norte and we're sitting there and just dazed, waiting for this darn appointment to come along. Jan goes in the bathroom. I'm sitting there and this voice loud and clear says, everything's going to be okay. It wasn't, you know, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. everything's going to be okay. Whoa. So Jan comes back out and she sits down in front of me. And I said, Jan, I had this voice say to me, everything's going to be okay. And she said, when was that? I said, just now. She goes, I was washing my hands and looking in the mirror. And and I heard the same exact thing. Everything. I heard the exact same thing. Wow. Everything's going to be okay. That's, and we heard it at the exact same time. But so we weren't amazing. with, you know, we yeah. were apart. Yeah. And Jim's been just amazing. I can't even, he's just so caring. He's just the most caring person in the world. He just takes care, just takes such good care of me. But that, I'm. He goes to every doctor appointment. He goes, he just, is, he won't, he won't miss anything. He's just always there. And in the beginning, when I was really throwing up and be sick, and did I pass out? I used right, to pass used out. to pass out. I was passing out, and he would just hold me, and we'd sit on the floor in the bathroom, and he'd be like, "You want to go?" To-? I didn't never wanted to go to the, the hospital because they weren't going to do anything for me, really. Yeah. Um, and it would just, it would go away eventually, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He'd clean up after me if I'd vomit on the floor. We're learning about, like, for example, when this first took place, I, I'm i going out of my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Out of my mind. I found, yeah. One morning, I hadn't slept all night. I'm walking around the basement. I'm crawling out of my skin. I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't, do, I, what am I going to do? I can't even live this every second. I can't live. And I went and got a beer out of the refrigerator. I'm like, well, what's that going to do? I, it's not going to get me anywhere. I can't. Mm-hmm. And I called this the, this guy that s- sold us the boat. Uh, he's a dealer, a, the boat dealer. He lived with it for 13 years before his wife died. I said, Greg, what? How am I going to? What, what gonna do you do? This, yeah. H- help me. Tell me what to do. He told me how to control my mind, control my thoughts. Because, you know, your mind is not is different than who you are. Sure. It can be your worst enemy. Yeah. Yes, your worst enemy. I call it Wilbur. That's my <laughs> mind. That's awesome. That's good. And um and Wilbur, I tell Wilbur Wilbur to go F himself yeah. when he starts talking to me right. and saying horrible things. So Greg taught me that. And so we'd be laying in bed and and Wilbur would start talking and I'd say, uh, nope, sorry. Not gonna not not go in that direction. I tell him to f off, and um, and he would go away. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, would be something I, to answer your question. Yeah. And yeah, and you know, nobody knows what's going to happen to them. No, just because some doctor told me something, that doesn't make it right. It doesn't mm-hmm. make it for sure. It's not a for sure thing. And so that's how we're living our life, and we're not. You know, we're we're for sure thinking that we're going to be around together for a long time. That's our vision. 
And that's our hope. And that's kind of that's how, how, we how we go yeah, through it. And we don't yeah. stop. We just keep going. And we were in the middle of the loop when I got diagnosed. We went back to the boat. We kept living. We kept doing what we were supposed to be doing. We didn't stop. I don't, I don't really even like to talk about it because it just. Why acknowledge it? it? Yeah. Why give it more energy? It, 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 energy it, yeah. it brings it up. But as, it, as it's been going along, you know, now I just had two. I just had a tumor marker. There's 28. That's completely normal range. I just had a scan. There were some spots on my liver. They're gone. Awesome. I'm pretty just clear right now. So that's it's awesome. what we're doing. And right. I do, I do believe in, in your body's ability to heal itself. Mm-hmm. I do believe in that. I re- we both do. I think we're just learning all that now. Well, yeah. We, and, and, and then you start looking around and you find other people who have okay. done that. Right. Yeah, you right. know that there's a lot more stories of, about people that are still living, even right. living with it. Right. You know, right. as a, maybe a chronic mm-hmm. type thing, Absolutely. but just living their life. So we actually interviewed a woman who has uh, stage four cancer as well. And she is treating herself very, very similarly. Oh yeah. Right. I think it's her third round of it. And her second round, they modern medicine was like, we can't help you. Oh, ah, yeah. And she's, she's going somewhere in Mexico. Mexico. Yes. To somewhere that does some, you oh, know, interesting things that aren't probably legal here, what, yeah. but higher level energy type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Awesome. But yeah. But this part of your story, guys, is just amazing. Yeah. Right. And I think it's very important. I know it kind of kind of relives it a little bit, but, it, you know, for people out there that are going through this. Right. You know, I imagine, right. you know, it felt it felt very alone and powerless at times. Right. Uh, and, yeah. Definitely. Each of you kind of with your own perspective on it, too. And for those people out there that might be going through it, I I think it's important for them to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I do, too. And it's it's true. It is, you know, it's it's scary. scary I, I, for me, I hang on that message that we both got at the restaurant. Mm. And you'll be okay. Well, yeah, that's I mean, it doesn't. I don't believe that that I envision. I, I just imagine that and she imagined it the mm-hmm. same second. No, we didn't. Okay. That's the deal. We understand everything's going to be okay. And and now we have to deal with what's between now and then. You know, you know it, it's that type of message is so important and so impactful. And, and just as, as on the other end of that, the way that first doctor talk to you guys like it's everywhere and that puts a spell on you too and and then you're like well i'm gonna go with this spell because right if i'm gonna buy into one thing i'm gonna hang on over here and that will change your chemistry yeah absolutely totally oh yeah yeah and i'm i'm we're both very spiritual it's funny we don't we're we were members of the catholic church our whole life and when things kind of i don't know we kind of changed and went to a evangelical church willow creek for a while and and then we just started having our own church you know mm-hmm. having then your own personal relationship our personal with bigger with god mm-hmm. and i would say we're both closer to god and our spirituality than ever would you agree oh absolutely yeah. this yeah. morning i sat down on my chair and i yeah write write my gratitude journal 10 things and and read uh, a couple of pieces and yeah we try and meditate Right. I, I, I believe, I, well, church had a very good place for us in our life yeah. in the beginning. But at once, you know, once you graduate from college, you don't have to keep going back. 
(laughs) Well, and we have a lot of our friends are from our church, actually. Sure. So Mm -hmm. anyway. So what is it that your partner does that you know they love you? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't Forgives me. That's my, she forgives me with, if I say I'm sorry, I could do the nastiest thing. I say, I'm, I'm really sorry. And then it's over. Like right now. I I do stuff for you. Yeah. Jim's, Jim just loves to do stuff for me. I'd say that. And you're just so caring too. You're really caring. You're always thinking of me and if I'm okay, if I'm feeling okay. Oh, I I also love, love, love that we can talk spirituality, talk out of the box together. That's one of my favorite things about him. And he's so supportive. Like when I went to the energy healer, um, he's like, hmm, what's that all about? I don't know. And then he wanted to see, he went to her and then he still goes to her too. You know, he just, we're, he's got such an open mind about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like that. A lot of, a lot of my friends, they can't talk to their husbands about yeah. things like that, or they don't even get it. Some of them. So I like that a lot. Well, Jim and Jan, we really want to thank you for coming today and being on the podcast. Your story is so amazing from multiple perspectives, multiple facets. And We really want to thank you. Thank you, guys. You know, we get wounded through relationship and we heal through relationship. And human beings have been sharing their stories since the beginning of time to heal and bond. And we hope that you guys sharing your story has enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. For all you listening to Couple Synergy, if you have any questions or topic suggestions, again, please feel free to leave a comment or look us up online at couplesynergy.com. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian along with Organizational Director Calvin Javier and Marketing Coordinator Bridget Reese. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. <laughs>